Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Film Review. Movies, music, culture, politics, society, podcast. Interviews, movie reviews, and more. Live Sundays at 5.30 p.m. on the Film Review Live channel. Subscribe. Hi, this is Bernadette Stannis, Thelma from Good Times, and you're watching The Film Review. So welcome to The Film Review Life channel. We are the husband and wife team. I'm Crazy D. Tracy. And we review movies, music, culture, politics, society, and this is episode 131. Wow. Well, let's get started, people. We're going to, on the replay, that's going to be taken care of, so no worries about that. All right, people, so let's get started with some of the memes here. All right, so the first meme, did you know that the whistleblower, Mm -hmm. the ice whistleblower is a black woman, Don Wooten, Wooten, LPN. See, what was happening was, over in the ICE detention centers, mm-hmm. they were, um, how could I say, they were sterilizing the women mm-hmm. over there at the, uh, in the camps, right? Mm-hmm. So they were sterilizing them in the camps mm-hmm. and the detainees, mm-hmm. and she blew the whistle, mm-hmm. and now she's a pariah, mm-hmm. and she's put her whole LPN on the line, etc., etc. Okay. So my question is, you know, well, my question always is, okay. would they have done it for you? And if they did it for you, right, what? They did it for you. If they did it for you, right, are they going to really do it for you? Would they really do it for you? What do you think? Would they really do it for well, you? I'm thinking the, that the... she wasn't. I'm surprised that um, because I know in other organizations, if some most women will band together, can I say right? Okay. So why was she the only one? Because I'm sure she wasn't the only one that worked in the ICE facility. Like, what about all of the other women? Why was she the only one speaking out? Like, where were the you know, the Latino women, the Caucasian women, the Asian women, the rest of the black women, like why was she just a lone person speaking out on this? Well I think she put her 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 seemed like more people should have came out. Her livelihood on the line for groups of people who wouldn't do it if it was in the reverse. That's what I think. I think that they wouldn't have done it if it was in the reverse because traditionally they don't step up to help American blacks in anything. Right? So I wouldn't have uh, stuck my neck out and then everybody else, you know, they 
they're still, they still got their work. They still got their job. I think that it's a case of some American blacks thinking that they are immigrants for some reason. Well, maybe she is. I never thought of that. I never thought of that. Maybe she is an immigrant and not an American black. Right. You know, so let's move on. So the next piece is, uh, is a meme where the person says, has anyone told the Ruth, uh, Ruth K and A Forever people that RBG talked bad about Colin Kaepernick's protest and had to apologize after being slammed about it? I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg on on a Kaepernick protest. I think it's dumb and disrespectful. Well, you know, people already know my thoughts on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'd already said that as far as I was concerned, she appeared to me to be anti-American black, especially with the last decision with Byron Allen, the last couple of decisions. Right. Her and uh, Obama's choice. What was her name? Uh, the, the Hispanic woman. Forget it. It's no need to know her name. But their choices and their decision making right. has been anti Black as she was for the woman. Right. And we know woman suffrage. Right. There was always a battle. Right. In woman suffrage between right. uh, black people, black women, and right. white women. So, you know. Yeah. Because what during the what the women's suffrage movement um, during that what uh, parade they made the blacks women back. walk. And it, yeah, AKAs, AKA said, yeah, the Deltas. The, the AKA said no. Mm-hmm. Some AKAs broke away, formed the Deltas, and walked in the parade. So they walked in the back. In the back, right? Because right. the AKAs said that they weren't going to walk. They weren't going to do that. Uh-huh. Behind. Behind. They wanted to be in the main parade, right? All right, people. I don't think many of you realize it yet, but November, January is going to be one of the most dangerous times Mm -hmm. that any of us have ever experienced in our lifetimes in the United States. Brace yourself. I'm trying to figure out who wrote this. Was was it a a Democrat operative that wrote this? It's going to be one of the most dangerous times you know, I mean, you know, it's just been so much in the on social media, on the news. It's just been so much, yeah. which then gets into it's another line that kind of followed that logic, which is, uh, what happens to black folk if Trump wins again? Right? Saw so that. What happens to black folks? If Trump wins again. And so I was looking at that meme and then I said, hmm, the flags flying in the back mm-hmm. are quite questionable to me. Right. They're questionable because those are not American American black, black flags. flags. Right. 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 
that's not an American black flag. So, right. you know, this came from Essence. Essence Magazine. This was a meme from Essence Magazine. And I was like, well, what blacks are they talking about and what blacks are they referring to when they ask that question? Because those flags that are flying are not the American black flag. You know, those those look like some other flags. They're like African flags. You know, African immigrant flags. And so are they saying that, hmm, now it's going to come home and hit them of what they have been warned about for so long? So I'm just trying to figure it out. So anyway, look. Chris Rock came out. Right. Chris Rock, coronavirus, Coronavirus. While you're doing that, talking about that, I'm looking up something really. Quick. I'm trying to see it because it's so small. That's why. That's why I'm saying that. Coronavirus. Let me bring it up bigger so I can see it. Coronavirus smacked U.S. because Pelosi and the Democrats mm-hmm. obsessed over impeachment of Donald Trump. What do you think about that? I think. I think that that's so. I think that that's a, a actual true statement indeed that it, that it did come across. Everyone has blame in, in the uh, situation, not just one. Now, people, you know, we often talk about what Biden... Excuse me, the owner uh-huh. um, of Essence is also an immigrant. So. Oh, yeah, what's his name? Or her name? Oh, Okay, so Rich Lou Dennis and also, um, yeah, Rich Lou Dennis. He uh, owns, and still owns, Shea Moisture, right? So um, he purchased Essence Magazine, Rich Lou Dennis. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Okay, so. So it says. Um, he and his mother, they were part of the Liberian diaspora to the United States. Oh, Liberia. The com- yeah, the company was inspired by Dennis, Sierra Leone grandmother. Oh, okay. I see. I see. I see now. Let's see what, uh, what's everyone, let's look to everyone listening to us on uh, Facebook. I heard saying say the judge let pedophiles get away. Hmm. What the hell happened to American blacks if he doesn't? Got good observation on the flags. I think so too, she says. So look, people. Let's go through here. here here's another one that was interesting. We often talk about Biden and Harris and the platform mm-hmm. that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, on here, we pick up on another point that they're talking about. It says, opportunity for minority-owned small businesses. Who are the minorities that they're talking about? Increased funding for the Minority Business Development Agency budget, MBDA, plays a critical role in supporting the development of minority-owned businesses around the country as well as providing needed assistance to the federal and state agencies so that they are, are awarded minority uh, are awarded minority owned businesses mm-hmm. businesses. Okay. 
and procedures. I'm going to the website. Boy, I can't read it because it's so small. But the main point is, who are the minorities, people? Who are the minorities in this tale that they're telling? Because I, I have a feeling. Okay, so this is that, the, uh, Joe Biden. Yeah, you know, I, got that, I got that from off of a meme. Oh, right? okay. Oh, okay. So exactly where that comes from it has to do with the minority investment. I've seen all of that on his site. But to know exactly where that came from, I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly. But I got it from off of a meme, and the person was underlining it. He kept saying minority, minority, minority. Never American black, never black, American black. I wonder what would happen if black people in America started operating on the law of vendetta. What if they start operating in the law of vendetta? What would happen? Hmm. That's interesting. That's, you know, just some memes to start out, right? This right here. Sudan ends 30 years of Islamic rule. Okay. Keep moving. That's good for the Sudan. Alright. Next meme. This one is interesting, people. So for all those that have have your Bibles around. This is very important. This is a very important piece right here. Right? And so let's let's put this across real quick. Quick. The Bible has 67 books. Subtract your age from it. And at 1953, you'll get your birth year. Again, the Bible has 67 books. Subtract, subtract your age from it. And at 1953, you'll get your birth year. Does that work, people? Does that work? Check. Do Get your calculators out. And do the simple experiment. It works. Huh? Simple mathematical experiment. Well, I don't know if it works for everybody. It worked for us, yeah, but I don't know if it's going to work for everybody, right? So, people, what is the situation? We're at 213-943-3358. Let's see. Does it go too far with the depictions of violence? We're, we're, we're talking about Nurse Ratchet tonight. Does it go too far with the depictions of violence, or is it tame compared to FX's American Horror Stories? TFR takes a look at Netflix's Fatal Affair. How does it fare up against Fatal Attraction and the countless other obsession films? Then the husband and wife team take a look at some classic films, Laura, a Anatomy of a Murder, The Sand Pebbles, and one more film. And they, are they worth watching still today? Or are they outdated? What do they say about society, the culture, and politics then? Crazy D and Tracy discuss Trump's uh Patriotic Education Commission 1776 versus the 1916 Project plus the blurbs of the week. We just finished those and uh, uh, various memes. So let's get started. What do we want to start with first? Let's see. Okay, so I'm going to... I get upset every time I... 
go to this Biden Harris site because once you read the stuff, it's just unbelievable. Insane, so let me sit right? this down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, people. So let's start with a classic that has to do with you know because at the film review we deal with movies that have to do with what's going on in the society. So right here, The Sand Pebbles is a film that was produced in 1965 and released in the summer of 1966 starring Steve McQueen, The Sand Pebbles. What does it say about society then and what does it say about what's going on today? Is there still residue from that time today? The Sand Pebbles, adapted from a 1962 novel by author Richard McKenna, right? Right. Details Young Sea, a Young Sea River gunboat left over from the Spanish-American War designated to protect American interests during the nationalist expansion of 1925 to 1927. So let's go back a little bit, right? The White Army, the backstory, uh, headed by Chang Hai Shang, KMT, uh, Kuming Tong, is the name of the organization that he was involved with, opposed the Bolsheviks, right? Now, the Bolsheviks was a communist movement in Russia, right? Mm -hmm. But there were Chinese who called themselves the Bolsheviks. They studied at university in Moscow and they were called the 28 Bolshevik students. They brought back the philosophies of communism to China. So let's read on. A Chinese group of students who studied at Moscow Sun Yat-sen University who were communists and again and against in 1927 a year after the film is uh, based on in 1927 a year after the film is based Chang carried out a purge of thousands of communists and dissidents his quote was I'd rather kill a thousand innocents than to allow one communist to escape, right? But what's funny about when he said he would allow only one, he wouldn't want one communist to escape, that he would kill him up, he killed the communist, quote unquote, that looked like him, but allowed Caucasian ones to escape. Does that sound familiar, people? Does that sound familiar like how some people will go against their own but let other people live who espouse the same things. Let's go back even further. Between 1913 and 1928, Russia went through a turmoil. In 1917, involvement in World War I ended with the the Volkovich Revolution. Later, would influence the Chinese Revolution of 1927, which ensued a 22-year war in China that would see the rise of the government of the People's Republic of China 
after the defeat of Chiang's White Army by the Chinese Communist Red Army. This is the backdrop uh, while which leads to the fictional telling of a fictional ship called the Sand Pebble, whose crew members are affectionately called the Sand Pebbles. That's the history first. The telling of the story set in an ensemble cast aboard a ship as China is on a tipping point while telling America's limited military involvement mm -hmm. other than providing weapons to the nationalists, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. in a, is an informing past history which instructs us today. The history then instructs us today because you will see where an army will go to no end, a government will go to no end to keep the status quo. Take, for instance, what happened in Tiananmen Square, right? Let me bring this up. In Tiananmen Square, uh, back in 1989. See, all of this is residual. When you see people still talking about uh, the same things, the mm -hmm. United States government, they're going at China right now. When you see them going and talking the same the same things still, you'll find that nothing has really changed. It's just bubbling under and it's, and it's uh, residuals from what was happening, what was happening back then so long ago. So check this out. This is from Tiananmen Square, 1989. This was my summer be going to before going to senior year mm -hmm. to graduation. Do you remember this people? Remember the tanks rolled down the Tenement Square. Remember the students were looking to be free from communism. They wanted a democratic government, right? Mm -hmm. And as this was happening, remember the guy he stood in front of the tank, right? Now in between July 4th, I mean, excuse me, June 4th, 1989, and July, uh, June 5th, 1989, the Communist Army came in and indiscriminately started shooting at the students, and it was considered a massacre, right? Mm -hmm. Because the Communists started from students, so you have to understand the history. Mm -hmm. The communist part, the current communist party that is there now, that's in leadership, started from a student revolution. Mm -hmm. So they understand mm -hmm. that from the youth, mm -hmm. things can move. So as you see, this guy gets up on the tank, and you can hear in the background. We have it down low for the reasons, for copyright reasons, but mm -hmm. you can hear the people clapping and yelling in the back the students, but it would be just a few mm -hmm. before the communist army came in and indiscriminately bowed these kids down. And guess what? The communist, the communist government still exists today mm -hmm. in China. Nothing has uh, really switched or changed mm -hmm. from this heroic 
that this person was doing. See that? See there? We hear gunfire. You hear the gunfire and he's moving off because they're getting ready to shoot. Right? So they're getting ready to shoot. He saw how serious. So they they saw how serious because when it comes down to it, they understand that they can be taken over by students because it was a student movement that started. So understanding history from the past informs you today about what could possibly happen, right? Right. America was on the... Oh, man, I cannot read my... Right? So America was neutral, really, other than to help the nationalist side that was defeated by the communists and that's what brings about the dislike or the displeasure of Mm -hmm. the communists the people's republic of china because the communists and the communists defeated their ally which was the nationalist government right Mm -hmm. roosevelt churchill uh, interesting history Japan, etc. Japan was also involved. Uh, second, Steve McQueen as motor machinist, mate first class, Jake Holman is the catalyst who changes the culture of the boat from one of dependence on the Chinese help called coolies to a rude awakening that the shipmates need to depend on each other in Yangtze River in the the Yangtze River Patrol. The river patrols ran from 1854 to 1954 to protect the Yangtze uh, Treaty that the United States had gotten in with one section of China. In between in between Four stories told, which Hellman is is central in telling between ensemble casts. One, his story of respect and love for a missionary named uh, Shirley Eckhart, portrayed by 19-year-old Candace Bergen. Okay. We were trying to figure out who that was, and then we looked at it. His uh, relations, two, mm-hmm. his relations as head strong subordinate to ship's captain Mm -hmm. Lieutenant Collins betrayed by Richard Crenna Mm -hmm. 3 his friendship with star-crossed machinist second class uh, Frenchie betrayed by Lord Richard Attenborough whose character falls in love with a bar hostess Molly betrayed by Chinese uh, a Chinese bar hostess Betrayed by uh, Emmanuel Arsan, right? Mm-hmm. And then the fourth story: his rocky cohabitation on and off the ship with his boatmates, who don't like his meddling to the point of possible mutiny on the boat. Mm-hmm. What's great about it is the battle sequences in the film. The battle sequence in the film is one of the best we've seen. It leaves you on the edge of your seat as you uncover deceit, 
shot from your POV. Mm -hmm. The closing sequence when Holman yells, what the hell happened, mm -hmm. will stay in your mind as real as it would be if it were you, mm -hmm. right? So the Sand Pebbles, right? Mm -hmm. A movie that you must see. So let's break this down. Story plot through line 10. Ensemble cast 10, believability 10, editing and soundscape 10, acting, emoting 10, character art 10, the use of Hong Kong as as Young Song Riverport as a living, breathing character, that's a 10, wardrobe 10, mm -hmm. battle sequence 10, the Sand Pebbles starring Steve McQueen is a 10, right? So this can be seen on what Turner Classic Turner movies. Classic Movies, or they okay. can go and rent it, okay. you know, stream it, right? Stream it live, right? So the next movie that we're gonna look at is one that was uh, very interesting. It was very interesting indeed. I heard someone say that. So let's go. Let's bring this down here. We've got this new look, and i got to get used to the way the microphone is sounded, too. It's throwing me off a little bit. Throwing me off. All right. So the next film that we're going to look at is Fatal Affair. Right? Fatal Affair. <laughs> I mean, it was really, it was interesting. It was more for Lifetime channel, I think. Mm, the Netflix, yeah, you think? Yeah. So, because it was a the storyline, it was just kind of like a traditional having a fair stalker storyline. That's why I say it, it reminded me of kind of like a Yeah, well, well you know, that's, that's, that's interesting because the director is interesting. He's more television than he is oh, feature we'll film. Okay. Uh, Fatal Affair 2020. Omar Epps, David as David uh as David, Neil Long as Ellie, okay. uh, Stephen Bishop as Marcus, and Aubrey Cleland as Brittany Warren, right? Mm -hmm. And an elite American black family is put into a chaotic situation mm -hmm. when the wife lets her freak flag fly with an old fling from college mm -hmm. who doesn't take no for answer. That's the synopsis, right? Okay. First, the sequencing of the film is off point along with the edits. In obsession films, a, cert a certain suspense has to be built through the final script rewrite, mm -hmm. the edits. The film should have been shot darker, like an art, art house film or The Godfather, for example, that was initially criticized for its low-key look, okay. right? But it went on to make millions of dollars with mm -hmm. its low-key look, right? Okay. The film had potential to be truly entertaining. It stars Omar Epps and Neil Long, mm -hmm. Alfie 2004, Into Deep 1999. Last time we saw him was in Alfie. Uh, Last time we saw who? Saw 
Omar Epps and Nia Long were oh, in Alfie. Oh, together. Yeah, they were in Alfie, right? Okay. But it falls short of Fatal Attraction. Okay. Back to Fatal 1987 in a minute. Fatal 2020. Directed by Peter Sullivan, who has many producer, co-producer credits behind his name. Lots of TV. Mm-hmm. Written by Sullivan and Rashida Garner. Did you know that Rashida Garner is a black woman? She co-wrote this piece, right? Oh, okay. Fatal 2020 falls into a disjointed attempt to edit mm-hmm. uninspired acting into a thriller. Edits by Randy Carter. Okay. So I had to research this. See, a lot of people just say that something is trash, but they really never tell you why it's trash. They just say it's trash, right? <laughs> but we're going to break it down for you with the research, right? Thrillers are about cinematography angles, okay. right? Which are missing in this film. Cinematographer okay. Eaton Almongor, right? Okay. Some uh, another ethnic person. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We can't tell if it's the acting or the angles that makes Fatal 2020 such a potentially good film if both were directed better with mm-hmm. skill and knowledge of the obsession genre. See, there's something to knowing the obsession genre. Matter of fact, this show could just be called Obsession because each one of these films that we have reviewed, even the Sand Pebbles Mm -hmm. previous to this one, Mm -hmm. is about obsession. You know, there's an obsession there. Even Mm -hmm. the one missionary that refuses to leave because he Mm -hmm. thinks he can help the Chinese people, Mm -hmm. he is obsessed Mm-hmm. with the Chinese people mm-hmm. the one uh, second mate mm-hmm. that you know you have to watch the film mm-hmm. is obsessed with the um, hostess the Chinese hostess right yeah. so each one of these films have hmm. obsession within them and all the, the things that we're coming up with next like Nurse Ratchet stay mm-hmm. tuned in the other film, Laura, stay tuned. That's a classic we're going to be talking about. Okay. All have obsession. Mm-hmm. Right? Take Fatal 1987. See, we, we do Fatal 2020 okay. Okay. and Fatal 1987. Okay. The pacing, the okay. storyline okay. was allowed to develop over time in R-E-E-L time, real time, right? Glenn Close portrayed Alex uh, Forrest so good, it may have slowed her career. Producers going with Merle Streep more instead, right? For which one? For any film after that. I'm just saying that she, her career seemed to have slowed down because it was her and Merle Streep. Okay. And she did this film and it seemed like, just looking at it, Glenn Close, her career slowed down. Producers going more with Merle Streep, right? And thus Merle Streep's legend has grown and Glenn Close just is reemerging, right? Right. Or maybe she was a method actor and she couldn't shake that character of Alex. Yeah. Could be. And you know, you know, sometimes people need but we don't know that for sure. But anyway, 
Michael Douglas, uh, Dan, okay. and Ann Archer, okay. Beth, drawing drawn into Alex's world okay. to the climactic end, right? Okay. Now let's take Fatal Twenty Twenty. Okay. You see, what what separates Fatal? 1987 from Fatal 2020 okay. is the protagonist, okay. which is the husband and wife. And okay. this is this is what I mean by that. The husband and wife run around in the climactic sequence with no aim, rhyme, or reason, mm-hmm. no agency. Okay. See, the difference between the films, between the husband and wife, and mm-hmm. fatal attraction mm-hmm. and the husband and wife mm-hmm. and fatal affair is agency. The mm-hmm. writers did not write the American black couple with agency. Right. They were running around and, and, and at one point people started saying, you know, as the stalker is pursuing them, mm-hmm. uh, the viewer keeps saying, what? Mm-hmm. What? What's this? Like, you wouldn't do that. Like, and then at the end, it's never clear was she in love with the Omar Epps character? No, was she? no, she wasn't. I because mean, when he it goes, was clear in the beginning. Because like, when he goes off the side, she says, "Oh," and, and well, that she was because it was a classmate, somebody she knew. She was know? holding, holding on. Well, she didn't want the man to die. I guess. That's what I'm saying. There was no agency. Yeah. Put into the picture, right? Yeah. So let's go through this, people. I had to go to a average on this score, right? <laughs> Story, plot, through line. That's a two. Okay. Casting. Mm-hmm. It had potential. That was a ten. The casting. All the cast was mm-hmm. pretty good, right? Okay. Believability. The sex scene. Okay. Very awkward. That's a zero. Editing. For what he had, that's a two. Acting, emoting, zero. Character art, zero. Okay. The use of location, two. Okay. Wardrobe, five. Climatic sequence, zero. So, what would you rate? Well, first of all, did you think that it was a good film? Did it stand up to Fatal Attraction or any other obsession film? I didn't compare it to Fatal Attraction. That's what it was supposed to be. Oh, that's what they said. I mean, it's fake. See, listen to the word. Fatal Attraction. No, no, no. no, Fatal Affair. No. Fatal Attraction. Fatal Affair. They they were trying to make the, 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 the syllables kind of go three syllables, two syllables. But no. Right. Because this is supposed to be the Fatal Attraction of the 2020s. Why is everything falling short? In the new millennium. Well, this was more like a lifetime film. So it was entertaining, right? And the acting was good. You know, you had Omar Epps and Mia Long, you know, so the acting was good, as well as the supporting cast. But the storyline, I don't know, it just felt like it ended quickly. Like there wasn't much substance. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nia Long's character just th- that character just didn't have common sense the way the character was written. Mm-hmm. It just felt like a, a lifetime type film, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, 
know. I would give it a. I would give it like what a five. You give it a five. Okay, yeah. I, I'm the averaging of breaking it down. Yeah. I oh, gave five. it a. I gave it a two point three. Okay. But if you want something just to enjoy, I mean, just something for entertainment, right. then watch the film. But don't right. think of it as ever being close to any obsession film that you have ever seen that you enjoyed. I, I, I will say that, right? But it, 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 it had potential. It could have went there, but it didn't go there. And so there we are, right? Yeah. All right, people. So the next movie that we are reviewing, we're going rapid fire tonight because we've got quite a few films before we get to our topic tonight, right? So let's look, let's look. Nurse Ratchet, the program is on Netflix, it's called Ratchet, 2020 Netflix. A synopsis, our synopsis here at TFR Podcast Live, a nurse with questionable credentials is hired on at an insane asylum by a doctor who conducts questionable experiments who's loved by the head nurse while the staff involves themselves in the lives of the patients in less than professional ways. Mm -hmm. And that's when the horrific fun begins. Right? This is what a thriller is supposed to be with enough horror and suspense to be a fan favorite before, during, and after Halloween. Ratchet, with its Hitchcockian angles and music should be a... uh, Whoever is a fan of horror, suspense, thrillers, this should be your number one pick for sure. And this is another Ryan Murphy production. Mm -hmm. So, right now, Ryan Murphy does FX's American Horror Story. He did the OJ Simpson. He did the the uh, Fosse. He just he. Did with the Hollywood, the one that's on Netflix. Yeah, Hollywood is good. I mean, he, uh, well, anyway, the creator of Glee, he created Glee. Yeah, but he's great at doing period pieces, though. Yeah, he is. They give him the budget to do the period piece, because this is a period piece. This is set back in the 1940s after World War II has ended. Right. Did we mention Pose? Oh, he did Pose, too. Yeah. Yeah, we've reviewed Pose. Unlike... It's FX brethren or related genre American horror stories. It keeps at bay the gratuitous murderous depictions to a less explicit nature. Use of sound effects and camera angles just above the action with reverse angles, low angle looking high. Tell the story. Right. See the sound effects, and then you you will see the aftermath. Right. But you don't necessarily see like in FX's American Horror Stories. Right. You see it. I mean, yeah. it is blatant. It's to the point where you know you have to like cut it off and you know like wait for a minute. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you might even have to pass it when you just see a rerun or something mm-hmm. when it plays again because that's how <laughs> engrossed. 
It is. The best one that we saw was The Coven, right? Yeah. That was about the... Um, the, the witches. The witches and then the voodoo priestesses. Yeah. And Angela Bassett was yeah. the voodoo priestess. And Gabby Sidibay was in that it one. It was in that one yeah. too, right? Yeah. But then the one where we, we said, well, we're going to just have to let this go. Because we went through the Roanoke. Yeah. And the Roanoke was like, yeah, we were like, okay. Right. right. But then... The one that we said no was the one with Lady Gaga in the yeah, hotel. Like hilarious. it just went. The first episode was just too much, and it just turned us off. From, I think we watched up to like maybe four. Maybe four. Four episodes. But I, I had checked out probably around the first one. I said I'm gonna oh. see if this gets better. Mm -hmm. But it was like ah. But this is a totally different situation, where stories relies on the gore. Ratchet relies on great storytelling. Yeah, this is a great story yeah. within period piece, right? Right. Cast, Sarah Paulson, Nurse Mildred Ratchet, Finn Whitrock, Edmund Tolson, Kathy, I mean, uh, Cynthia, I can't read my right. Cynthia mm -hmm. Nixon, Gwend uh, Gwendolyn Briggs, John John, Breon's, Dr. Richard Hanover. Okay. We know Cynthia Nixon from Sex and the City. That's right, that's right. Yeah. And then uh, Sarah Paulson from, of course, uh, American Paul Gothic is where we first right. got to uh, yeah. see her in action, yeah. right? And American uh, Horror Story, right? She's on the Right, yeah, she had a lot of those. Yeah. Judy Davis, Nurse Betsy Bucket, and Sharon Stone. Lenore Osgood, she makes an appearance yeah. in the uh, film. A yeah. very pivotal character. Yeah, it's a really twist is. in the story, yeah. right? Like all good thriller, those who do evil right. get evil done to them, right? Yeah. It's a must-watch for Halloween yeah. as most will be looking for something to watch because of COVID-19. Right. With all the different shutdowns right. because of COVID-19, yeah. uh, people are going to be wanting to watch a lot of things, right? right. Story. So so what do you think about, about Ratchet? Ratchet is good. Like the coloring, um, beautiful coloring in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, costume and design, um, the architecture. They did a really good job in, as far as like finding locations mm -hmm. that fit that period. Mm -hmm. And when we, when the film first started, you know, we were saying how it kind of reminded us of a, like a Alfred Hitchcock type film. Mm -hmm. And then the location of the hotel and everything, it kind of gave off a Alfred Hitchcock vibe. So, but as we went on with the different episodes and stuff, and you mentioned the different angles, the cinematography, mm -hmm. you mentioned how those were like uh, Alfred Hitchcock type, like uh, shootings and angles. And um, so, but yeah, they did a beautiful job. It's, it's visually beautiful. Like the colors, um, the backdrop, I mean, just like the city. It's well written. Um, and it's, I love the writing. It's like, like it keeps you on your toes. I mean, like it's like the conversation between Nurse Hatchet and the head nurse. Betty. Yeah, they kind of yeah go back and forth, kind of like throw darts at each other, like verbally. 
Um, it's just just well written. Well written. Quite entertaining. It's really entertaining. Okay, so let's break this down, people. Story plot through line is a ten. Ratchet. <laughs> Ensemble cast ten. Ratchet. Believability. It's very important when you go to period pieces that you get it down to the last to look at that period, which is in the 40s, and usually it's in black and white, right? right? And to see it in such vivid colors right. is amazing. That's a 10. Editing and sound, editing and soundscape, sound effects, music, 10. It puts you in the framework of being Alfred Hitchcockian, but it's still original, right? right? Acting, emoting is a 10. Character arc is a 10. The use of California as a character. Yeah. Beaches, yeah. backdrops. That's a 10. Now, let's go back to acting and emoting for a minute because okay. since American Gothic, okay. uh, Paulson has been good. Yeah. And since Scarface, mm-hmm. Sharon Stone has been good, right? Right. So, uh, let's see where we were. Yeah, she was the girlfriend. She yeah. was the blonde. She was the blonde girlfriend. She was in a uh, casino. Casino. She was. Yeah. Who's casino. the blonde? Who's the blonde? Look up the blonde girl in in Scarface. Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. That's right. That's right. Wardrobe, uh, stage, autos. That's a ten. Death sequences. Out of the they come from out of the blue. That's a ten. Ratchet is a 10, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, last year, uh, we discussed the all-time great black exploitation horror films. We have the link to binge watch episodes 77 through 82 in the description on the YouTube of this particular presentation. You can click right there and you can take it. So make sure you go over to the Film Review Live channel and subscribe. And when you go there after the program, click there and you'll be able to watch our reviews on the greatest black exploitation horror films all time. That as we go through, you know, as you go through the Halloween season, you can go on ahead and watch some good horror films that you see yourself in, yeah. right? Very Classics. important. Classics. That's yeah. right. Right. I can't believe it's been a year because we dropped that on the 23rd of September. I'm you, Today time is the is. 20th of September. Yeah. So it is amazing. Yeah. Time is flying. 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 Our next, our next piece that we're reviewing is called Laura, right? Okay. Another Turner Classic, uh, Turner classic. Film classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Starring Jean Tierney, right. Tierney as Laura Hunt. Right. Dana Andrews as Detective Lieutenant Mark McPherson. Clinton Webb. Clinton Webb as Waldo Lidecker. Vincent Price as Shelby Carpenter and Judith Anderson as Anne Treadwell. Now, there's a lot of supporting cast in it, mostly playing the back, but these are the top, these are the front five actors that are uh, lead 
and supporting and then they have people who come in who are secondary mm -hmm. uh, and third third area characters that are yeah. scenery and then right. some that may have one line which are extras right right so the um, synopsis okay. McPherson Andrews is brought in to solve the murder of Laura Jean Tierney and falls in love with the dead woman through her writings his investigation right. and her portrait on the wall of her apartment right very interesting, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, uh, nep what is that, what is that when people love the dead, nephrophilia, yeah, yeah, right, and so it's kind of like a play on that. If you have never seen Laura, this film noir, or film noir, depending right. on if people want to drop the N or keep the N, I say film noir, right. it is truly the yeah. greatest of the era with the haunting song Laura composed by David Raskin who was under pressure to produce a melody after telling Otto Preminger, mm -hmm. the film's director mm -hmm. who wanted to use Duke Ellington's sophisticated lady mm -hmm. that he, mm -hmm. Raskin, wasn't convinced it was suitable. Mm -hmm. The sophisticated lady. Have you ever heard "Sophisticated Lady" by Duke Ellington? Have you ever heard it? If you haven't heard it, I would mm -hmm. suggest that you go take a listen to it. Right? Mm -hmm. Was that racism? Was well, Lizzie wasn't racist? trying to use the. Was it the, the brown? Fantasy. A tan and brown fantasy. Tan and brown, dun, yeah. So at dun, least. Dun, 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 <laughs> dun, 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 but then when Ted Turner started buying up all the classic he, movies, he had started his film channel and bought up all of the classic movies. Then what's going on, Ed? I see he's watching. Hey, Ed, and that's where we went to watch like the classic films. Mm -hmm. And um, watch them every year. But sometimes to the really great films. Like, if you're a film lover, you're, like, watching all of the film channels, right? And Laura is one. It's just just well-written, right? And then uh, you'll break it down, but just across the board, this is just, like, a classic. It's just, it's a great film. It's better than Gone with the Wind, which is considered, like, a major classic. But Laura is a really, really great film. Shoot, Gone with the Wind was so good that it was almost gone with the wind. It was so good at depicting <laughs> yeah. the... Culture and the society, the, the, the culture and yeah. the, and the politics of that society at the yeah. time, that it was almost gone yeah. with the wind. But Laura is a good film. So, you know, so as we were saying, Raskin, David Raskin, did not believe that Duke Ellington's sophisticated lady. Make sure that you you listen to sophisticated lady by Duke Ellington.
and Brown and Tan Fantasy, or is it Tan and Brown Fantasy by Duke Ellington. Great musicianship all the way through. Um, was it racism that made Raskin think that it wasn't quote-unquote suitable? Well, good, because sophisticated lady stands for the American black woman's mm-hmm. elegant still. I couldn't imagine looking at that and then seeing, mm-hmm. you know, because I was so disappointed when I, I used to watch, I used to listen to Brick House mm-hmm. by the Commodores, the Commodores mm-hmm. and I was like, I had, I had a, yes, it was the Commodores, and I had a picture of what the brick house looked like, 36, 24, 36, mm-hmm. and when I saw the video, because mm-hmm. Motown was trying to appeal to a Caucasian audience, mm-hmm. who does the Commodores have come out but a belly dancing Caucasian woman, and that just did not fit my vision of 36, 20, 40, 36 over the lovely so I imagine it just, it just but no, it didn't, but okay. I just didn't picture but that is what's seared in my mind, like, oh man, so whenever I hear that now, mm-hmm. so I'm glad the sophisticated lady was not put with gene tyranny mm-hmm. as the sophisticated lady, because every time I hear sophisticated lady, mm-hmm. I close my eyes and I think of Mm-hmm. American black women, right? So that that's good. But so Preminger okay. was angered. Okay. Gave Raskin one weekend to write a so-called suitable okay. melody. Raskin's wife over the weekend wrote him a Dear John letter. Do you know what a Dear John letter is? (laughs) He was going through a lot. (laughs) Do you know what a Dear John letter is? Tell me what a Dear John letter is. Well, in the letter, she told her husband goodbye. (laughs) She told him the marriage was over. Um, And that's that. That's right. That's usually what happened in war. During the when war, people soldier, do now on social media, yeah, the they so, break up with Right, them. the soldier would be overseas, and then the woman who had been waiting for him to come send back, dear John, and send him a dear, dear John, it was nice. The relationship feel, is over. I feel lonely <laughs> without you here, and I can't do it. And it's and it's it's Frederico over here, and Fred. So he had to deal with writing a song as well as dealing with his wife leaving. That's right, and so. He said the melody wrote him wrote itself okay. once he got that Dear John letter. Okay. The song Laura plays throughout the movie, haunting as the emotion of the story brings the emotion the story brings embodied in the emoting of Dana Andrews okay. as the detective assigned to the case. So as he he comes in hard nosed, okay. but as he goes through investigating the he case, falls in love, right? he falls in love with her through the stories that are told by her, through her writings, portrait. through his investigation, right. and then then the portrait, right? Right. 
So it's a it's a sad thing because he's in love with a dead woman. So you have to see this film. We are not giving you any spoilers. What if you have never in it, a thriller. Yes, if you have never like seen Laura, right. you have to see this film. Right. Gene Tierney right. and Dana Andrews, you have to see this movie. Always remember, but we'll get to that. The years of cigarette smoking and alcohol drinking on screen, even while on duty for McPherson, a touch not seen except in Ratchet, which is a period piece. Right. Because, you know, they haven't, they don't believe in, you know, cigarettes and alcohol necessarily being seen. But they, they do believe in it being at parties, though. Right. I remember at the college party I was DJing when they first introduced the alcohol. And we used to be able to have college parties with no alcohol. But anyway, that's another story for another time. The maid. Bessie Clara. Okay. Dorothy Adams portrayed the character. She's Caucasian. Okay. Would have been... A great, would have been a perfect role for Butterfly McQueen. You know, Butterfly McQueen was an advocate for playing dignified within the roles that she played, right? And even in Gone with the Wind, she refused to actually be slapped as the maid by Scarlett O'Hara, right? Right. Who was played by, I forget her name. What's her name? Vivian Lee. Vivian Lee. She refused to be actually slapped. Right. They had to work out the camera angle because she said, I am not being slapped because you do not want to see... Anyway, let's continue. (laughs) The maid, as written in this piece, Laura, had more humanity than most maids written for American blacks, right? And maybe that's why the role went to a Caucasian and not an American black. Because normally they would have given the maid to... Because the humanity in this maid, and Mm -hmm. she was a... She was sub, she was a servant, uh-huh. right? Of the servant class. She was Irish most likely by the okay. name, right? Okay. By the character name. But Betsy, I could tell that they had thought of it, but eh, they probably moved past it because it would have brought a certain dignity, kinda like what you see in Hollywood. Okay. The show that we reviewed on Netflix. Okay where they do an alternative look at what Hollywood would have been if it had started more equal footing for for, uh, American black actors, right? right? So that role right there would have been pivotal, right? It would have put an end to the stereotypical maid most famously played by Hattie McDaniels. And brought dignity to the quote-unquote American black domestic. But what makes Laura all-time great? Mm-hmm. What makes Laura all-time great is the plot. Yeah. Even with some of the holes, right. it still tops the pat, the pacing, the acting, except Vincent Price, who gets better as the mm-hmm. film. 
lapses, right? Right. It's the wardrobe, the behind the scenes of endorsing products, the benefactor factor, mm -hmm. the obsession of the Waldo character masked as arrogance and a lack of caring okay. that the detective has to figure out before it's too late. It's the secondary character supporting Tyranny and Andrews, yeah. the direction of Otto Preminger. Yeah. See this film like good music yeah. and a food recipe passed down from generation to generation. Right. This, ne this movie never gets old because it's a classic. Yeah. Always remember, people, good music. Right. A great recipe. Right. Good, great movies right. never get old. Right. They're not old. They're right. not played out. Right. They are classic. Right. And this is a classic. Laura is right. a classic. What do you think about Laura? You oh. talked about it, but you know. Yeah, it's well written. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, like, for instance, like when we're reviewing films, right? Like, when we are able to review, like, a really well written film, I mean, it's exciting because very rare today do you find, like, really, really good films. Really, really well written. Right? You know, so uh, Laura's just it's a classic. And like I said, I mean, ever since I was a little girl, whenever this would come on TV, I would watch it. And I love, like, the storytelling. And I love storytelling. Right? Mm -hmm. And um, that's kind of lacking today. Mm -hmm. And then that's why I like uh, certain actors and actresses, right? Mm -hmm. You can kind of bank on the fact that they're going to pick up a script that is a, a nice, gritty, well-written script, right? Um, like, for instance, like, you know, like, uh, Denzel Washington isn't just going to pick up anything. Like, right. you, you know that just about every film that I've seen him do has, like, grit. Right, it's just well written in this storytelling, right? Um, same with um, uh, 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 Joaquin Phoenix, right? Every time we go see one of his films, this it, grit, mm -hmm. there's a storytelling, mm -hmm. right? And certain people you can just like uh, uh, bank on. That's how Chadwick Boseman was, mm -hmm. right? We, you know, we were excited to uh, see any of his work because. We knew that whatever the story was going to be about, it was going to be a good story. And so that's what Laura is. Like, it's a timeless film. Uh, it's just a lot going on. It's complex. You know, it's like the characters, like the, the back characters have a story, right? So, Laura's just a classic film. It's a great film. It's like up there with, um, that's what I love about Steel of Magnolias. Both films, both versions. You have the, uh, the Queen Latifah version and then you have the, Laura, the, um, the Julia Roberts version, right? And both versions of that film, I love because it's just great storytelling. Mm -hmm. And uh, Laura's up there with that. It's just, it's just Great storytelling. Great storytelling. Okay, people, so let's break it down. Storyline, plot, through line is a 10. Okay. Ensemble cast, 10. Right. Believability, 10. 
editing sound cover of missed continuity okay editing and sound in film sometimes there are continuity problems right and the editor was able to cut that by five frames back or five frames forward that's a 10 acting emoting is a nine vincent price takes you know takes it away by you know by one point uh characteristic i mean a character art 10 the use of locations 10 wardrobe staging 10 suspense and twists that's a 10 yeah so laura and the eerie music it's fitting because it's and since you gave the backstory to the music it's fitting because what he was going through in his personal life after receiving the dear john letter and knowing that Otto Preminger was upset with him and knowing that he had to deliver mm-hmm. right music within a short period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it was all, it's, it's fitting. Tanya Congress says, Duke Ellington piece not suitable. Utter foolishness. <laughs> had to be racist. Okay. You know, another person too, can't leave her out. Like, Everything that we've seen Viola Davis in also mm-hmm. has grit, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I I would. It'd be nice to see Laura well done, but then certain movies you just don't want touched because I don't know. It's just like well, everything. they tried to touch Psycho, and they should have left it unless they were yeah. going to, you know, do something different with it, right? You know, yeah. but anyway. So yeah, so Laura is a ten. Yeah. All right, people. Next up is Succession. Yes. It's a 2018 presentation to yeah. present. It's three seasons yeah. starring uh, Brian Cox okay. as Logan Roy, uh, Kieran, uh, Kieran, yeah. Yeah, Kieran uh, which one uh, was brother? Calkin yeah. yeah. as Romaine Roy. Well, Callie Calkin's brother. Right? Yeah. Sarah Snook as Sheev okay. Roy. Okay. Jeremy Strong as Kendall Roy. Right. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> Hiram Bass as Marcy Roy. Right. Nicholas Brand as Greg uh, Greg Hirsch. Okay. Maddie Mick. McFan McFandry oh McFanyan as <laughs> Is that the wife? No, that's the man, Matthew. Oh. And Alex Rook is as Alice Rook as I was writing fast. Connor Roy. Okay. Right? Synopsis. A father who finds it hard to pass the torch okay. rules his company with a heavy hand. But will health concerns okay. keep him from keeping his company in family hands? Mm-hmm. That's the synopsis of it, right? right. right. I got to stop writing so fast. That's why I type people. I should type these. Right? I would have anyway, The inner. What's good about this program is the inner world of the media moguls. Right. How deals are made. The cutthroatness, even in families where money is at stake. Okay. 
a must-watch episodic that can be binge-watched on HBO and HBO Max. Okay. So, what do you think about See, Succession? Succession. This show right here falls into what I was talking about earlier. I mean, it's just like, what I love about this cast is the ensemble. Like, each of the characters, right, are not so perfect, right? They're right. quirky, they're like well written. Like it's just like it's humorous. They have like that little sly wit. Um you've got multiple storylines going on. I mean it's um it just has that like grit to it. I mean it's it's not it's it's um Thinking, thinking. It's like cerebral writing. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, like, I mean, the storylines are, like, taking you in all kinds of directions. It's like, I would say a suspense thriller, but it's not a suspense thriller. But it is some, some suspenses in it, right? It is. It is. It is suspense. It's, it's also obsession. When you were saying there are obsession, people yeah. obs are obsessing over the company. That, the company. Getting that guap. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ikeda's yeah. Garden. Yeah. Good afternoon. Good evening, yeah. family. Good evening to you. Hey. Ikeda's Garden sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. As we go on, she said that earlier. Thank you for chiming in on YouTube. Remember, we're on the Film Review Live channel. Make sure that you subscribe to the channel so you will know and click the bell so you will know when we go live, right? Don't forget that we go live Monday through Friday with the show TFR Podcast Live OB. Hashtag TFR Podcast Live OB. That's observations. With myself yeah. and my guest host, yeah. Tanya M. Congress, my sister, right? So make sure that you tune in. Mm -hmm. And again, we uh, stream live right. on uh, Periscope, yeah. on Vimeo, right. Facebook, right. and the Film Review Life channel on YouTube. Right. We stream live. And then get you get your daily dose on observations of... What's news was going on, yeah, in the news, and um, with succession, it's well written. Uh, Karen, um, Coughlin, Coughlin's rather, Karen McCoughlin, his character, uh, you talked about him earlier. You know, they say they say his name is Coughlin. Not McCall, you know, people oh, used to Coughlin. say, so people be saying, oh, yeah, this, is this is Macaulay Coughlin, right? And they put the MC in front because of Macaulay. Oh, okay. But it's Coughlin. I was Coughlin. doing that too. I was like, McCoughlin. <laughs> but it's actually Coughlin. Yeah. Okay. Karen Coughlin. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And uh, Karen Coughlin is He like, plays that part. He kills it, right? So he is like the... This shiny object in the yeah, he like he brings life to his character, mm -hmm. and um, and I, what I love about all of the characters, they're all complex. Like it's just well written. It's complex, and you yourself, while observing this, you're kind of like trying to read each of the characters because it's just not. 
it's not written where it's just like obvious oh this character is da 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 you really can't read these characters you can't yeah I mean so I mean it's it's just well written. I mean, because it's like you are going for the ride and you're also trying to figure out well, which one do you think is going to end up taking over the company or which one do you think is sincere or is this... I mean, it's just... Yeah. It's, it, it's a lot. It's quite entertaining. It takes... It does... They take you on the ride. It's just... It's just well written. It's so what would you rate? So what would you rate? A 10. Definitely a ten, cause this is this is something that I can see years from now, when they do start having um, shows like this on a, a syndication, a, the Turner Classic <laughs> yeah. Network. Uh -huh. This this show right here, I could see being a classic, because it's the way it's written, mm -hmm. right, and um, and the characters are so complex. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, this is just a really good show. I mean, it's not. It's it's a good show. It's just a good show. It's so I give written. it. I give it a ten. I give it a ten too. If All I would right. get, could give it higher, I would. <laughs> you know what? The executive producer is Will Ferrell. I forgot to say that. Will Ferrell. And then I was surprised because I don't know when I think of Will Ferrell. Well, he does do serious acting well, also. Com comics are the best. Actors, the best, uh, drama, dramatic actors, actors, right? Because they talk their pain in their That's comedy, true. right? That's true. And Black fishing in England, they call it black fishing. Oh. The phenomenon of Caucasian women acting like and taking the identity okay. and cultural set okay. of black women. So let's talk oh. about that. But first of all, Anatomy of a Murder, okay. 1959. Okay. Let me first of all, I want to break this down for I, I need to break down what the film is and what you're going to see. If you have never seen, this is another film. If you have never seen Anatomy of a Murder, okay. right? You have to see this film. And this breakdown that I write, if I can read my own writing, my chicken scratch, we're going to get through this. Here we go. The movie is a fast paced masterpiece with twists and turns. Plenty of story beats which pay dividends in the film. So out of control could the story be if not for the decency code okay. and the direction of Otto Preminger. Another Otto Preminger film. 1959, the other one 1944 and Laura. We're doing a double Otto Preminger tonight, right? Right. Paul Bigler. Okay. This is the this is the main character. Paul Bigler, attorney, okay. written by Wendell Mays, portrayed by Jimmy Stewart, okay. whose calm portrayal gives the the 
Oh my. Illusion gives the illusion okay. anatomy is paced mid to slow. His ability to act, his great acting makes you believe that the film is paced mid to slow when really it is moving fast, man. It is a fast-paced film that has a lot of content in it. James Stewart, Paul Bigler, Lee Remick as Laura Mannion. Now, okay. remember another Laura, another Laura, okay. connecting the see, connecting the dots. Otto Preminger, right? And wait until we get to the biggest connecting the dots. Okay. Stay tuned for Stay what we're gonna say about this film next. Laura, uh, Laura Mannion, okay. portrayed by Lee Remick, okay. Arthur O'Connell okay. as Pornell. Uh, Emmett McCarthy, okay. Eve Arden as Maida Ruffledge, okay. George C. Scott as Claude Dancer, okay. which is one of the district attorneys. We're going to get there, okay. and Joseph N. Welch as Judge Weaver. Okay. Joseph M. Welch is Judge Weaver. It's mm-hmm. very interesting, and we're going to break that down too. Stay tuned for this because after you hear this, you're going to want to see the film. Ben, ben Gazzara as Lieutenant Mannion, who is the husband okay. of Lee Remick's Laura Mannion, right? Okay. The synopsis. Our synopsis here at TFR. Will a country lawyer be able to win acquittal for his client who is on trial for murder while a big city slicker lawyer from Lansing comes to second chair the prosecution? Big city slicker, right? If you've never seen Anatomy of a Murder, now remember... Remember what we told you about Laura and who Otto Priminger's wanted to be the main song, right? What is outstanding about Anatomy is along with the pacing is a high-powered soundtrack and who score. High-powered soundtrack and score by who do you think? No. Not Quincy Jones. Who did Otto Preminger want oh. for Laura? He wanted the song. Duke Ellington. Duke Ellington. Okay. See, it took him a while. But he got it done. Okay. But he got it he got done. It. He got it right? Okay. From 44 to 59. He yeah, got see, it done. Yeah, the 59. I was still thinking. I was thinking right? Quincy Jones. Okay. So, Duke Ellington. Okay. An auto, auto favorite who makes a cameo in the film. The music at sense every scene. There is the drive to the bar where every note of Ellington's big band sound grooves with a nod to the 60s and 70s funk, but in jazz that would soon be upon us with James and George. Ellington was scoring and nodding 
the early movement. Okay. He was bringing the early movement mm -hmm. of the funk. When you listen to what he's doing with his musicians, and when you listen to it, you're going to be like, what? Okay. The scandalous, tawdry nature of the subject matter wrapped in what appears to be an obsession movie, but turns into one of the greatest court trial movies of all time. Otto Preminger, Duke Ellington, James Stewart. Moving the pacing along in this piece that could be so tawdry and uh, if not for those three elements in this film. Want to know how to twist the plot mm -hmm. until the climax in a courtroom and close with a scene about human nature? Mm -hmm. Watch Anatomy of a Murder. What would you rate Anatomy of a Murder? Okay, so I didn't see it. It's been a few years since I saw it. But I do remember the very first time that I saw it. And it was this, this was during the winter. And I remember I was drinking my Theraflu <laughs> and uh, trying to find a good film, movie to watch. And I, again, turn to classic movies. And this was like in the middle of the afternoon. And I caught it from the beginning to end. And I remember saying, this is a good story. And it, it was gripping, and like you said, the court scenes, and because um, I know it's fresh in your mind because you just saw it, but um, I remember it being a really good film, and because um, it's been a few years since I saw it, I would definitely give it a 10 because I remember really enjoying the film, and just you reading a synopsis brought it all back to me again. And I would give it a 10 because, like you said, the music, the acting, the storyline, the twist. I love, like, films like that, like, uh, when the when the lawyer, the attorney is trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to put all the pieces together. Because he's like a detective right. before he becomes, because he's a detective trying to figure out, is he going to take the case by putting the pieces all together yeah. and trying to lay out the scene of how it happened. Right. Right. So it is truly an anatomy of a murder. Yes, exactly. So people, when you watch Anatomy of a Murder, right. make sure that you look for the scene, mm -hmm. the driving scene mm -hmm. to the bar. Mm -hmm. It's where James Cagney's character is trying to decide if he's going to take the case. And he drives, putting the pieces, putting the anatomy of the murder together. Auto Preminger, beautifully directed, right? Mm -hmm. As he's driving, the score from Duke Ellington mm -hmm. is playing. Mm -hmm. And as he's driving, as he parks, as he gets out the car, as mm -hmm. he walks along the lane mm -hmm. to walk into the bar. I mean, it's everything yeah. is beautifully timed. It is a classic piece yeah. that is timeless across the board. 
it's a 10. Across the board, it is a 10. It is a 10. Anatomy of a murder, you have to see that, right? Right. So you have to see two auto premature films, right? Well, it just it just happens to be two auto premature films. That's right. And you have to see. You have to see. <laughs> okay, people. So for the topic of the night, right? The topic of the night. It's called Black Fishing. Oh, she said, uh, Tanya Conger said, Duke Ellington mm-hmm. uh, show enough brought the funk in his big band. Yeah. Uh, the next message she put down, the message was retracted. So I don't know what what was said there. So it's called... The Kardashians? It's called... Uh, Black fishing. Oh, oh, oh I thought you first, were talking right? about the Kardashians. No, no. Okay. So, black fishing. Okay. The woman, the women accused of pretending to be black. This article came out back in 2018. And how did we know that this would be so... Why didn't we know well, I, that it would be so prevalent today? Because this article was about women who, right, uh, butt implant. Now, when uh, year was this again? This was 2018. Because right? I remember that, so it's back again, huh? It's back again, but only it's been in hiding, right? Okay. And it's two phenomena going on. It's okay. one where they're trying to get the body type. Okay. To get the attention, okay. right? White women passing as black women, American black women in particular. So this article was about black fishing. Came okay. from out of England, right? And of course, it did mention the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. And this woman right here, who is that woman? Is that woman a black woman? Let me bring this closer. Maybe this is just a woman talking about. The phenomenon, right? I is this? Let me let me look close. Let me bring it closer so that you can see. Is this a black woman, or is that? Well, she could possibly she could possibly be white, you know, Caucasian, because I remember in 2018 when they gave it a name, um, the black fishing. They had the side by side the woman, uh, the Caucasian woman without her tan mm-hmm. versus the tan and having her, her hair textured so it can have like a, a curly pattern. Mm-hmm. So she could possibly be white because I saw a lot of before and after pictures back in, you know, 2018 when they introduced the black fishing. Right. So um, she could possibly uh, be white because the tanning creams. Does give a brown complexion, mm-hmm. so yeah. Okay, so there has been a phenomenon at university, right? Okay. There has been a phenomenon at university. This woman right here, white Italian student, pretending to be black, resigns from teaching position. Being exposed online, Mama Mia, y'all caught me. 
right? That's somebody was trying to be funny with that, right? Okay. But then you go down to the article some, and then it says, graduate student okay. uh, admits lying about being black and resigns from teaching role at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, right? She, so, oh, excuse me. She doesn't go by she. Okay. Or he or her. C.B. Vitalo okay. Haddad. Non-binary. She goes by, she says, she calls herself by non-binary titles, they and them. And she says, they admit they are Southern Italian and Sicilian. She's a graduate student who teaches at the University of Wisconsin Madison. What what what's what uh studies department do you think that she Well don't comment That's easy don't don't That's easy No don't comment Who was Richard Dawes? Don't don't comment What did comment. she teach? Don't comment <laughs> Black fishing Okay Right that's what that was called in 2018, right? Okay. But it's a phenomenon. It didn't start. It didn't start with any of these people that we're going to show you right now, right? It didn't start with Rachel Dolezal. No, no, no. I, what I'm getting ready to show you, it, we're getting okay. to her in a second. It okay. didn't start with any of these women okay. that we're getting ready to show you right now. Okay. Satch. Cole. This is Satch Cole. This is how she looks all the time. Okay. Does she look black? No, she looks white. We we had a college person who was black. Okay. Who did have when her eyes blue or were they light hazel? But she remember she was mixed, right? Okay. And but this woman right here, just my opinion, mm -hmm. uh, my observation, she's ugly. I mean, like, I don't know how anyone would believe that she, let me use the right term, were black, right? I don't, I don't know how anyone could believe, right? But it never ceases to amaze me how... She said she was light-skinned. It never ceases to amaze me how when... The people are so-called passing, right? Okay. They seem to pass in a most, how can I say, how can I say, um, degradated or on the low end way. So here we go. So she, she does an interview because she owns a a food pantry, right? Or she opened up a food pantry. I don't know if you can actually say that people own a food pantry, okay. but they may open up because it's a non-profit, so okay. they would run right. a food pantry. So this is what she said. So tell me if anyone would... This is her as who she was before she was discovered or unmasked or however you want to say okay. is could could this be could she 
because she pet anyway. And I remember going to food pantries and having to have all kinds of paperwork and having to prove all kinds of things just to get some generic cereal and some soup, and it just kind of makes you feel less than. And um, I felt like there were probably going to be some barriers to people being able to eat, um, considering that we are one of the biggest food deserts in the country. Um, there were just many, many factors into opening the food pantry. Now, let me stop right there. Satch, you know, who else was called Satch? Was Satchel Page? Satchel Page, who else? Satchmo. Okay. The first time I think about it, that's a good thing. Satchel Page, I have forgot about that. Satchel Page, right? But Satchmo, that was the first person that came to mind. So her name is Satch, right? Okay. And that's what came to mind first. Okay. She's a, guess what kind of activist she is? A civil rights activist? Well, you can say that, but what kind? Like, what groups have we been talking about? What group have we been talking about and how they've been co-opted? Oh, the Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Oh, she's Matter. a Black Lives Matter she's activist. She's a Black Lives Matter activist in Indianapolis. Indianapolis is the capital of Indiana, right? The home of the KKK. The home of the KKK. Sometimes I wonder if the people have been a little, must have been subject to a lot of sundown towns because okay. the American blacks that are there. Because I'm wondering how this woman could just sit in there and pass. Because I'm watching this and I'm listening to her and I, I wouldn't have thought she was right. right. Can't see it. I would have never thought that let's she was continue. Let's continue. And since the day we opened, we have never asked for ID, we have never asked for paperwork, we have never asked for a referral, um, nothing. We, we, um, the requirements to get food from us are to be human, um, and that is it. Okay, wait a minute, now look. She said they don't ask for ID, they don't ask for paperwork. I guess that would be her, her bylaw or her rule because she didn't want anyone asking for her papers. Which this is getting into real slippery slope because we as black people learning from what they did in South Africa to the South African or the Azanian blacks would not want to be subject to someone treating us like that we're wanting to see the papers so she's saying that but that no wonder okay so people here's another here's another one right here Jessica I'm gonna pronounce her name a a crook but but they but they pronounce it a crew or something like that but anyway so let's go right here so this woman right here okay got her education from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Okay. See, see, there's a connection between okay. C.V. Vitolo, okay. uh, her dad, okay. just by, she taught there. Okay. She went there, Jessica, a, a crew. 
something's going wrong in Wisconsin. Like, yes. what's going on with the American blacks there? That they don't know <laughs> who. They don't. <clears throat> anyway, so let let let's listen to this right here. All right, here we go. Carol Boyce Davies, who is a professor of Africana Studies and English at Cornell University. Carol, thanks so much um, for joining us. This is an extraordinary story, isn't it? Are you shocked or surprised by this confession of Jessica Krug? Not shocked as much as um, sorry for her that she went to such lengths and that she felt that she could not work in the way that she did using her white identity. The okay. So, Jessica A. Krug, I call it, but they call it Krug, taught at George Washington University. She was an associate professor of what kind of history? Black studies, black history, African American history. <laughs> Let's continue. And this woman that they're interviewing, she's from Cornell University, and she also has an accent. Can we get to some American blacks being in the highest offices and the highest levels in the land teaching about American black studies? I'm just wondering. Let's continue. The problem is that we are pleased could she often have? Could she have carried out this work? Easily, we have many other scholars who do it all the time. And in fact, it's a it's a treat, it's a joy for those of us in the field if you have white allies. Now look at this woman. Look at this woman. Does this woman look black? No, the one in the red. Yes, the one in the red. That's that's the that's the. That's Professor that's been exposed. So that's yes. Krigler, okay, because she looks different up here. Well, that's the same. Looks the same. It looks oh. just the picture different was probably, angles. probably was darkened even more. But anyway, okay. what do you think? No, she looks white. Does she look black? No. It is horrific, son. It is horrific, son. Like, what is going on with these American blacks? Like, they don't, they can't tell. We, we 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 are invaded by the invasion of the American black body snatchers. Everyone comes in and somehow puts on the mm -hmm. skin and says, "I'm this, I'm that, I'm this or that." People who are immigrants come in, they come in, put on the thing. They're teaching us about ourselves. The Indians from India. They weren't allowed to work in the history department, but they would take jobs in American, in American black history, and you would think they were your ally, but really they were just doing a job. Right. You know what I'm saying? We, we have a problem with having a kind heart. Let's continue with this. Who have done that kind of work and can actually talk with authority about it. So it's not about excluding. I have students who are white um, and who are working on, on subjects that have to do with African-American, African diaspora studies, and so on. So it's not about excluding. It's about the fact that she 
claims several identities. It's not just one. She claims that she's Afro-Latina. She claims, she in some cases, that she's from, um, you know, black communities. So she organized herself as an organizer in the Bronx. Um, she made a lot of different mistakes. And it's a, it's a, it's a sad She did case. claim mental... See, see there, see there. Now, the woman goes on to say that she does claim mental <laughs> illness, right? She does claim mental illness, doesn't she? She goes, the woman here, the the prof, mm -hmm. says that she made a lot of mistakes. Is that a mistake? Maybe falling off of a bike would be considered a mistake. I think as you and uh, Tanya would say from the show Observations, mm -hmm. you guys would say she needs some, is it Fanat? Speaking of Tanya, let me see right here. Tanya, are you on the line? Yes, I am on the line. Um, I've been <laughs> watching and listening to this. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, yes. I can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm watching and listening to this, and uh, with the first one that, that runs the uh, food pantry and says that she doesn't request any ID or anything, well, uh, if she doesn't, then she's not receiving anything like from Harvest for Hunger or any of the government-run, um, you know, programs that issue food to food pantries. I ran one for five years, and you must get ID, social security numbers of everyone in the household, every child and everything. All of that has to be reported to the food bank. Harvest for Hunger supplies the food banks and the food bank supplies the pantries. So all of those things are necessary in order to run a food pantry that's going to get government, um, you know, if you're going to get from your local um, food not the food pantry, but your local Harvest for Hunger associated agency in your area, you have to get uh, identification. So that's one thing. So you guys were right. She probably, that's her rule because she don't want nobody identifying her. Um, the next thing, this individual, oh Lord, dear, that one. You just, <laughs> but the one that you put up just before the one you just put up, she is, I don't know how they are um, not able to tell that she is not white. I don't know if we have an advantage because of the kind of family background we have coming from mixed lineage. I don't know if we have, I, I don't know, I'm trying to, you know, take the high road because something is wrong. Just like you said, uh, the people of Minnesota, something is wrong and why is so much coming out of Minnesota and Indiana? And those places like that, no, I'm sorry, not Minnesota, Wisconsin. Why is everything coming out of, and, and those, those areas are driving distance from one another because we have family that, that lives in all those areas, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Indiana, uh, and all of that, that surrounding area. So something is going on in an area where people can't identify who is black and who is not. And, Something about people who are passing, even the ones, the blacks who are passing for white and whites who are passing for black, I can spot them. You know, they can't, they can't get away from the fact that when you look into their eyes and they know that they're faking the funk mm -hmm. and you look into their eyes, they look, they look 
um, what do you call it, non-confident, like they're intimidated because they know they're not who they're posing to be. And if you're a person who's very discerning and you look in the eyes of people when you're talking to them, it's who they are that's looking back at you, not who they're trying to be. It's who they are that's looking back. But I just wanted to call in and submit that. And this one right here, she's classic, so I'm just going to listen. <laughs> All right. Thanks, thanks for calling in. We, we Thank will, you. We will hear you on Monday yes. at 9.30 a.m. Yes, 12.30 p.m. Yeah. Hashtag TFR Podcast Live OB. See you then. <laughs> All right. All right, people. That's my special co-host on TFR Podcast Live OB. Yeah. That's Observations Monday through Friday. You can watch I and mean, you can listen to the replays on yeah. Apple Podcasts. Just yeah. go to Google and or Apple Podcasts and and search hashtag TFR Podcast Live OB and all the episodes Spotify come up. That's right. So people, this is going to be the new black family. Who dope black dad, dope black son, dope black daughter, dope black mom. Just wearing the t-shirts. Remember how we used to wear t-shirts and I, it's a black thing and you don't have to, you don't have, you ain't got to understand. Well, guess what, people? They said, that's right. It's a black, it's a dope black dad. If you American black, you don't have to understand. It all kicked off. Well, it probably kicked off before, but it really kicked off with this one right here. What's her name? Rachel, Rachel Dozas, Dolazol. Some people might think that it actually, you know, I've had, I've heard people. Now, how she got in the news was she was in Spokane, Washington. What's going on with the American blacks in Washington state that can't tell an American black? She was, remember, she was the NAACP president of the Spokane, Washington chapter. And she had been getting so-called death threats and stuff mailed to her in the mail and this was initially what this interview was about until the interviewer got down to the nitty-gritty let's listen we'll say something about oh well you get publicity from these hate crimes and i think that that that's very sick as well because it's not that's not the kind of publicity anybody wants is publicity now it comes to question did she really want publicity or didn't she and does can anyone believe that this is an American black woman no okay here we go of, of a negative and terrorizing scenario especially death threats and um, photos of lynchings and as a black studies professor I know what these images mean and take them very seriously given the, the history of, of racism in the United States Speaking of that, did your dad ever make it to Spokane in January for the ribbon cutting? Um, n- no. Did you see her eyes? Uh, that was kind of like what my sister had said just a few minutes ago. That, that you look in their eyes and their confidence shakes. She said, did your dad ever make it? Her eyes, she kept a smile, yeah. but her eyes went back and forth 
left to right like oh my god i mean what's this about what's this question about my dad about well, actually he has um un unfortunately has lung cancer and was not able to get cleared for surgery and and so yeah that sounds like a terrible <laughs> break for you i'm sure that he would he would have been very proud of you is that your dad yeah that's that's my dad this man right here is your father Right there? Do you have a question about that? Yes, ma'am. Okay. I was wondering if uh, <laughs> if your dad really is. She's getting ready to fold like a folded chair. Like, <laughs> how long has she been claiming that she was an American black person? Working and braiding people's hair and doing all that. But she's getting ready to fold like a folded chair. Do you remember this, people? 2015. It was, uh, it was amazing. It was like, what? He's an African-American man. That's a very, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you're implying. Are you African-American? I don't, I don't understand the question of, I. She doesn't understand the question. Are you African-American? <laughs> she doesn't understand. Did tell you that, yes, that's my dad. And you, he was unable to come in January. Are your parents, I'm are they white? Oh, oh, she okay, she bounced. She bounced and the reporter was like, hey, look at this. Hey, get back over here. I've got to break this story. What is going on here? What is going on here? Now, people, real quickly, real quick, real quick. I was researching this and the funniest things were happening, right? Right. The funniest things were happening as I was researching this. Every read, let's read, this is, uh, is it? Akata's Garden, she said, did you see the left eye wink? <laughs> and she says, uh, hmm, did she says, still kill, kill destroy. So look, the funniest things happen, the funniest thing happened, every time I was searching white women passing <laughs> for American black, this ad by Kamala Harris kept going on every video and I'm like what so then I had to go search it as an ad as a video on YouTube and grab it because every ad <laughs> she kept coming up she kept coming up as now arguably coming from mixed lineage I can look at this woman and tell mm -hmm. that she is not black She's not American black. She may be black from Jamaica, but even her pops is from a certain class of Jamaican black. And her mother is Indian. Her values are more Indian from India. I can look at this woman and tell that she is not black. I can look at her nose. That nose is horrible. The lips. The cheekbones, the forehead, the thick neck. That's damn near that actress. What was that actress from Gaslight? What was her name? Ingrid um, Bergman, right? Yeah. This almost, th have you ever seen, the only thing that threw Ingrid Bergman off was this big, thick neck that she had. It was something <laughs> that just couldn't, but anyway, listen. Listen to what this, these are just our thoughts on this all right so listen to this real quick so i think we need to ask ourselves why don't they want us to vote okay who is us 
Because Biden's plans are about immigrants, illegal immigrants, and quote-unquote minorities. Who are they? Between this... Where's my finger? Where's my fingers going down? Between Between this and that. I mean, I don't know what's... I don't know what's really good, what's going on. What is she talking about? Who is she talking about? Who is she talking about? Let's continue. Why is there so much effort to silence our voices? And Who is our voices? Right? Now, listen to what she says next, because this is very important. This is propaganda. Are you ready? And the answer is because when we vote, things change. When we vote, things get better. We voted for Barack twice. Did your conditions get better? Are you under a fictitious mind state that it got better under him or got better under Clinton or got better? Are you, did you not notice who goes to prison, who's being harassed, who's all this? Like the time, did, did it get better? Did it get better? Well, you know, Obama did have that beer summit and with the police officer on race. We were dealing with oh, race relations. Oh, is that all? Obama did have a beer summit. So people, we don't have <laughs> any answers. We don't have any answers. You have to figure this out. November 3rd. We're out of here. Another great jam-packed episode of the Film Review, Movies, Music, Culture, Politics, Society podcast. And we'll see you next Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific. Film Review. Movies, music, culture, politics, society, podcast, interviews, movie reviews, and more. Live Sundays at 5.30 p.m. on the Film Review Live channel. Subscribe. Hi, this is Bernadette Stanis, Thelma from Good Times, and you're watching the Film Review. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.